I'm Andrea Perdue, and this is The Schema. Today, I'll be talking to Mac Marlowe, Chief Information Officer at Southwestern Health Resources, about how ACOs can embrace technology to move value-based care forward. Mac, it's so wonderful to have you here with us today. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you, Andrew. Before we get started, I'd love to hear a little bit about you, your background, and how you came to Southwestern. Absolutely. So thank you. Pleasure to be here, by the way. So my name is Mac Marlowe. I'm the Chief Information Officer for Southwestern Health Resources in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. I joined in October of 2021. I came from the East Coast. I've been in large provider organizations for multiple years. I've been in healthcare for more than 20 years and in information technology for more than 30. I made the change to the Dallas-Fort Worth area to take the job at Southwestern Health Resources because I really feel like the space that we work in is such an important space in healthcare. The value-based care, accountable care organization, we're a clinically integrated network. SWHR as an organization is doing some amazing work. We have a, approximately 7,000 providers that participate in our network, and we cover about 800,000 members in our accountable care organization. And have you seen changes that you've been able to impact in your role in this last year um, because you've, you have such a diverse community with the academia and the clinical side of that? Absolutely. So the SWHR organization's done a great job of establishing a foundation. Yeah. The technology, when I stepped into the organization, had already been established at the foundational level. But as we continue to move forward, really doing what we need to to uh, modernize the technology and really put it in place to where we can drive for the needs of all of the patients, uh, really looking to put an easier, less burdensome process in place for our physicians so that they can do a better job for our patients. Well, and we all know when physicians have an easier job because of all the things they do anyways, right? They're going to be more successful in um, taking care of those patients. Absolutely. It's about experience, about reducing the burden mm -hmm. and providing that forum back for the patients and the providers to actually interact with each other. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. The early days of the value-based care, if you don't mind if I jump into that, are a little sure. bit like the wild, wild west, as we like to call them, right? Absolutely. Uh, lots of trial and error, lots of different models that came out of that. What do you think we're still figuring out for VBC? And uh, what do we need to do as we move into the next coming decades? The models have definitely changed as we continue to work uh, in this particular space. Mm -hmm. Moving away from fee-for-service and finding another alternative has certainly been the mission finding a balance between the two. I don't, don't anticipate that fee-for-service model is really going to ever go away, but adding a new model that really does question how we provide healthcare is super critical. We've got to figure out a way with the chronic systemic costs of healthcare, what do we do to drive those down? And so what we really want to do is create that environment uh, for the, the providers to do a better job. We want to leverage technology but an important thing for us is to figure out what those models can really do as far as providing the care value. And so when we look at interventions of care, when we look at uh, the connectivity, uh, the data that's required, one of the things that we are, are seeing is we're doing pretty well with the clinical data and the claims data being married together. But what are we doing to advance using some of the new technologies in the value-based care space? So I think as we continue to move forward, the model that was really kind of started from the conversations in 2006, we've seen that evolve quite a bit. 
And so we're, what we're really interested in doing is continuing to figure out where value-based care fits in. Our organization also handles the Medicare Advantage mm-hmm. program as well. And so that's been an interesting addition. So we're really balancing value-based care with alternative payment models and different models that we provide care to the patients working through those provider networks that we have. Uh, So we'll continue to experiment with value-based care. I think things have settled a bit now where we do have uh, more focus on the costs and and understanding what the costs look like. I think one of the things we'll see is the the measurement of the outcomes. Value-based care is really measurement-driven. And so really, what do we do to make sure we're collecting the right information and we're evaluating that properly in order to make decisions? So it's really going to be outcomes-based that we're going to be looking for, but what are the steps involved with going through that? How do we measure them along the way? And then how do we adjust accordingly? Completely agree. And actually, you lead me right into my next question, because that's the success in value-based care, right? It's having that sturdy infrastructure, knowing what those outcomes are, what your KPIs and the importance of those are going to be. question specifically for the role that you have at Southwestern is, how do you build and maintain an in-house IT CIO infrastructure innovative system, right, so that you can keep that complicated work um, moving forward? So we could focus on the technology a lot. Yeah. Really where we start is with the people. Because if we don't have the right people in place, then the technology isn't going to really bring us the value that we're expecting. So it's really, truly people, process, and technology. So making sure we have the right team, building that high-performing team. From a technology standpoint, we look at two components of technology. One is your core IT infrastructure, the folks that put the compute power in place that make sure that people have the devices that they need, et cetera. But then there's also the analytics side. And I can't speak highly enough about what has transformed in the analytics space for SWHR and what we've been able to do as an organization for this industry. And so SWHR is really leading the way in the use of data with a lot of the data-driven metrics and aspects. So we're continually looking at uh, advanced technologies. How do we put them in place? What will that look like as we continue to move forward? The sturdiness will come with uh, making sure we're doing the blocking and tackling properly, that we have the right processes in place, that we're agile enough to really work through putting the modifications that are in place that are necessary to evolve as we continue to move forward. So learning what those are and how to apply them is important. Innovation is one of our values at SWHR. And how do we find the time? How do we work through identifying the technologies that really will allow us to build on the strong foundation that we've already built and really amplify what we're doing. Again, I go back to the data-driven aspect. We really have to use data to help us understand where we are. Do we have the right mix of team, both internal to the organization and external to the organization? What does our provider mix look like? How are we getting information to those providers so that they can do a better, faster job in order to provide that quality of care and drive down costs. Absolutely. You guys are a front runner in this. You do an amazing job at it. We are. Do you have any thoughts about how other ACOs would adopt this in their workflows and what the best practices around that for um, any ACO in this environment would be? Yeah, and you mentioned we are an accountable care organization. Uh, We participate in the programs that CMS puts in place currently moving into one of the newer models. And so I think sharing the body of knowledge with Mm. other organizations is important. So getting involved with industry organizations, networking, 
going to conferences right. and, and finding partners and, and really uh, sharing ideas and not being afraid to put out there what we're doing. We're here in an industry where we have to be kind of bigger than ourselves and contribute to that body of knowledge by sharing the information so that others can grow and we can grow this industry. I don't think value-based care is just going to happen. We have to really lean in and make yeah. it happen together. And I think that's where what I have seen is a lot of folks willing to partner, to share their ideas, to, to walk through what do we do? Because at the end of the day, it's about humans. We can talk about the technology, we can talk about the data, we can talk about the models, but it's about humans. And not only is it humans that are responsible for putting all of this together and maintaining it and building it and moving it forward, but it's humans at the core of everything we do because this is health. It affects all of us. It affects our family, our friends, us in, in a very direct way. And if we can do more to bring that quality of care to the table, if we can educate not only our peers, but our patients, so that they're a partner with us in their healthcare, that's really gonna help us continue to move forward as a, an organization, but also as an industry and a community working together. Mac, you really get this and at a very baseline foundational level. And I, um, I'm really enjoying the feedback. I'm gonna lean into it just a little bit more. Sure. Um, when you talk about the innovation, that's the key piece here to keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. How do you balance that between like tradition and I guess the word experimentation or sure. even we use the word innovation again and keeping that perspective in mind as you work with people to keep driving this work forward? Innovation is key. And yeah. one of the things we can't do is shy away from it. And, and to your point, we can't get so busy and overrun that all we're doing is the dotting the I's and crossing the T's. We have to experiment in ways that allow us to see growth. And it may be iterative growth. It may not be fully transformational. Although I do believe that we are continuing with our cloud strategy, pushing, you know, leaning in and going cloud native, you know, and that that's our, our continued future strategy is to be in the cloud doing everything native in the cloud. And that keeps us from being landlocked into a data center, into an area we can scale, we can really grow bigger in a large way when we do things that that allow us to to amplify that growth. And when we when we pull folks together and ask for internal ideas, we have to do it at all levels. So this can't really be a top-down leadership goes and says, you're going to start playing with these new tools. Uh, we have to get ideas from all levels within the organization. And I think people respond really well to that. We're doing a really good job of leaning in and, and bringing our entire team with us, the entire organization, and then the community. So it's about listening to the voices, gathering the ideas, making the time, running the business has got to happen mm -hmm. anyway. So we know we have to do that, but we're going to have to make the time for innovation. And we do, we identify those uh, areas, whether it's artificial intelligence or machine learning, whether it's new algorithms, whether it's new care interventions and ways in which we provide that care, we're constantly looking for new ways to do it. And it's, we're creating it as much as we are borrowing it and sharing it with others. So we're actually out there on the forefront, leveraging creativity and innovation to really move the industry forward. We're doing it one step at a time. Absolutely. When we talk about ACOs in general and how innovative the Southwestern team is, we do still have, you mentioned this earlier, fee-for-service, right? And sure. that's not probably going to go anywhere anytime soon. Do you have any thoughts on um, like offerings of an ACO versus a fee-for-service um, community and how, as an organization standpoint, that looks different and would work differently and more productively? 
I think it's a balance. Uh, like you said, fee-for-service isn't going to go away. Right. There are a lot of organizations that uh, live and breathe off of fee-for-service, and it seems to work for various communities. I think we will see some level of consolidation and standardization. I think that's what ACOs will drive is a, a level of consolidation, uh, an opportunity for the models that we've talked about and we continue to explore to really take hold and organizations to adopt them. So years ago, uh, 2012 to be precise, I was part of an organization that started an ACO. But the region and in, in the timing, it was 10 years ago, it was a decade ago, gosh, I can't even believe that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it didn't take hold in that particular area. So I think the part of this hmm. is we have to continue to share the message. We have to teach, show, and, and help others learn so that we can get a global adoption. It's also why, from a technology standpoint, when we talk about cloud, we can go regional, national. We could go global if we really wanted to or needed to. And so I think that's going to be key for us as we continue to move forward is, again, embracing both of those models, but finding the balance between them and helping others understand what that value is. And so when we really do measure, like we talked about earlier, and we drive towards uh, the reduction of costs, and we really do look at the quality outcomes of the care, I think that's really where we're going to see an overwhelming push towards moving in that direction. Fee for services, we know, is I, I provide a service for you, you give me, you know, we get paid for it or reimbursed in some capacity. And that in and of itself is a complex model. Right. I think that holistically healthcare and the delivery mechanisms are going to have to change. We're getting more innovative with the delivery of those care models, like the at home model. Mm -hmm. Instead of having someone have to be in a hospital, now we're seeing the push towards hospital at home. And as we have the generational changes and we have the population moving into a, a, a later stage in life, okay. we're going to see that. So what we do in our organization is we focus on treating the sickest of the sick. And that's where a lot of the costs and the burden to the overall system is. If we can reduce those costs at a global level, then we can provide better care for everyone at a, at a more cost-effective point. Um, so we really have to be thoughtful around end-of-life care and, and yeah. the various stages that people are going through. I think we've also got to look at, and we haven't really talked too much about population health-based strategies, although value-based care certainly uh, leverages that. We've also got to look at things like human factors and precision medicine, they have to work in with population health. So we are going to see that vast array of push that's not just going to be fee-for-service, I give you a service, you pay me money. We're actually going to have to look at how do we build uh, an ecosystem that can really support the entire outlay of the care and really looking at care across the whole continuum. That's absolutely right. And actually, it leads me right into my last question for you. Um, and it's a little bit of a titrated question. You just mentioned how we, we do the patient care. And for fee-for-service, it's one-to-one, -one, right? I give mm -hmm. you service. When you're like from an ACO or value-based care setting, you know that the patient and you're watching them in a different way because you have people behind the scenes making sure that that care is being done at many different levels. When we think about education, for one, let's talk about patients sure. first. From an ACO setting, do you think that there's any um, value or opportunity out there for us to educate them differently when they understand that they're within an ACO environment versus a fee-for-service? I do. One of the things that's really important is how do we engage the patient? Yeah. 
So we've got to figure out better ways in which we do outreach. We do campaigning uh, to really not only draw the patient into the system, but we have to also think about educating them, not only as to what we provide from a healthcare perspective in the healthcare system, but we need to educate them on their entire life. So this is about you know, socioeconomic, yes. and you know, we spend a lot of time talking about social determinants of health and health equity, and how do they play into this? And we're seeing that emerge in some of the models now, where we're not just looking at the care delivery system itself, but we're looking at the entire ecosystem around not just your care that you receive, but the care you provide for yourself and the care that you provide for others. So self-care is important. Mental health is important. Mm -hmm. Really focusing on those contributing factors that cause people to have deterioration in their mental health, whatever that is. We can do a better job at looking at that whole view of everything that's impacting the patients. And so whether we're looking at the location in which they live, so maybe we're doing geocoding that's helping us identify what might be available to someone in their area. They may live in a food desert where food's not accessible to them easily, or they don't have transportation that can help them get to their appointments. And, and you know, that's balanced then with, can the appointments come to them mm -hmm. instead of them having to come to the appointments? And you know, how do we get into that complex healthcare system where we build a referral network that's very strong. We have consultations that can be done very quickly. Uh, those models need to continue to grow and shape and, and be pushed in as we continue to move forward. So I think that's really where we're gonna see the value. Uh, but I do think that patient education is huge. You know, giving them the tools that they need, not only to take care of themselves, but know when and how to engage in the system is really gonna be important. Agreed. When we talk about this from an industry standpoint and how we educate the industry, mm -hmm. I very similarly think that there might be kind of the same thinking, but would love to hear your thoughts where we know the patients need to be educated. We know that they need to be thinking that right. at a holistic. What other areas and or which areas would you lean in on um, from an industry perspective to be able to educate those patients more? I think a lot of it is, it's, it's not just educating the patients. Mm -hmm. I think it's also educating the entire care model. So I think we really need to make sure that the social workers, the care managers, the folks that are now being, we're seeing more and more emergence of putting those care providers in place. So really providing a care team. Yeah. They bring such an interesting dynamic because they're looking at things from so many different they perspectives. Do. And so I think that contributes to the body of knowledge. So we certainly have resources out there where we try to encourage patients to do some of their own research, uh, trying to educate through the support system. So one of the things that we know is that if someone has a support system, we can leverage the support system, educate those caregivers to help with the care of the patient. So I think that's really gonna help as we continue to move forward. But there are increasing educational opportunities that can be sought out for by the patients. From a provider perspective, I think one of the things that we could do is leverage programs that they could refer into that would allow for additional care yeah. for the patient where the provider doesn't feel burdened that they have to provide all of the care, that there are programs yes. they can actually get the patient into. And you know, whether it's working with a registered dietitian or whether it's working with one of those social workers or a behavioral health expert, you know, those yeah. are all resources that are available that people often don't know about. And 
we've all been in a situation where like, I'm not really sure how to navigate right. this. And you know, that navigation piece is important. How can we do more to help navigate people through the healthcare system? It's so complicated and we're trying to make it much easier. And that's part of our role is to not only educate them, but to streamline things to standardize as much as we can. But what we know is that that standardization process is not just a technology thing. It's all of those aspects that we've already covered today. But I think you've hit on a really important one, mm -hmm. which is that engagement of the patient, but then also the education of them. So they know where to go, when to go there, and what to do when they get there. Agreed. I could not agree more. Mac, it has been a great discussion today. I wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time and, and being with us. Absolutely. Thank you yeah. so much.